for our text tonight, looking into the Gospel according to St. John. We'll look at the third chapter, reading verses 14 through 16. John 13, 14 through 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Of course, we know this scripture to be a continuation of the Lord's discussion with Nicodemus. The Apostle John, he uses the phrase eternal life or life eternal or everlasting life in his gospel 17 times. We find that the word eternal and everlasting, they're interchangeable. In the Greek, it's the same word that's translated as such. And so it's actually John who uses it more than any other author in all of the Bible. It's in a phrase that that phrase is, is also a theme in his first epistle. You can find it in 1 John chapter 1, chapter 2, 3, and in chapter 5 as well of 1 John. But for centuries we know that humanity has been on a quest to figure out what does it take to extend life or ultimately live forever. In fact, since the garden experience between Eve and the serpent, that was, in fact, the very first issue in their conversation. And we do remember that is what where Eve went wrong is that she actually had a conversation with the devil. She should have turned and ran, we know. But in Genesis 3.3, 3, Eve tells the serpent, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And actually that's Eve speaking to uh, the serpent and the first lie of and by the devils in chapter 4. He says, and the serpent, it says, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. And we know that she tried the fruit. Adam joins her. And from that day forward, humanity has been trying to get back to that state. God has put in the very nature of mankind a desire to want to be alive, to live, and to ultimately live forever. People have searched high and low throughout the, the world some way, somehow, to keep on living. And actually, for thousands of years, there was, there was this mythical concept of a fountain of youth somewhere on earth. Apparently, back in the 5th century, Herodotus wrote about it. It was a place referenced about in the conquest of Alexander the Great. That would have been some hundreds of years later in the 3rd century A.D., there was a, a famous crusader, Preston John, in the 11th and 12th centuries. He documented this search for a place where one could go to take a drink of the fountain of youth. And during what is known as the age of exploration back in the 16th century, they thought that these waters were at a place in the Bahamas known as a place called Bamini. 
And even today, there's a place in St. Augustine, Florida, that you can buy a ticket to go to. It's called Ponce de Leon's Fountain of Youth Archaeological Park. And it's supposed to be the oldest continually uh, inhabited place by Europe in all of the United States. And you can buy a ticket and you can drink of that fountain. You know, the Lord himself, he addressed this subject by way of the prophet Jeremiah. This was, of course, to the people of Judah. And I, I believe it's very relevant to us today, all the way back in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. He said, because of these two things, you've forsaken God, you're broken, and you're empty. You're, you're dry, you're parched, and you're lost, you're spiritually dead, you're separated from the Lord. And in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13, it says, O Lord, the God of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. And I think that's relevant to you and me. And they that part from that, they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Death comes to cultures that forsake the Lord. Temporal and internal, eternal separation comes to nations, to peoples, to societies that ignore God. When we forget God, when we delete God, when we make a mockery of His law and His word, cultures succumb to being lost. The scripture says being forgotten, forgotten, excuse me, and ultimately judged. Look around. It's what's happening in the midst today. But tonight we can report hope. We can, we can, we can tell you that there is a way. There was a time when Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. And this was a 70 mile walk on foot. It probably took him two and a half days. Most Jews would have avoided this place called Samaria. The, there the Samaritans lived, according to Second Kings chapter 17, the Samaritans were a group of people forced by the king of Assyria to settle here. They combined the Jewish method of worship along with idolatry. They had this strange mix we learn from the scripture. They constructed their own temple in a place called Mount Gerizim. Today that would be on a map in the West Bank. There's a small group, I understand, of Samaritans even today. They, they celebrate Passover at this particular mountain. But for some reason, Jesus, who should have avoided this place, he knew he had an appointment with a woman. The Lord was on a mission. In fact, in John 4, 4, it says, he must needs go through Samaria. It wasn't an accident. The Lord had a conversation in mind. In John 4, 7, it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. The lady is surprised, and, and really she's confused. We shouldn't be having this conversation. Why are you here? And it continuing, it says, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is which saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. 
He's talking about a supernatural fountain that's available for you and me today. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This well is not a myth. It's not some far-fetched thing that we want to try and attain and can't receive from the Lord. The fountain that fulfills humanity's God's God-given quest is available for you and me tonight. Everlasting life begins in us now as Christians. We experience and taste of this water at salvation. That's why it's real. That's why we knew something happened in our hearts because this supernatural well, we tasted of it. We understand in Scripture, by way of God's Word, there to be three types of death. There's physical death. As Christians, the Bible refers that to a, a sort of sleep. In fact, an example is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And that's a hope that the church does not go through the tribulation period, but that whether we wake or sleep, we will be snatched away and receive salvation. The second type is spiritual death. This was who or what we were prior to salvation. Ephesians 2.1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. To be living in sin is to be spiritually dead. Have you ever heard of the walking dead? That's what it is to not be saved and to be physically alive. To be separated from the Lord, to be dead in sin. To not have a relationship with Christ is to be spiritually dead. But we can be made alive in Christ. We can be made alive in Jesus. And number three, eternal death, which is the final state to be separated from God forever. John the Revelator said in chapter 21, verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers. He says, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, of, in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We might call this the ultimate death. But thanks be to God who offers us the ultimate of life. To live with Christ in our hearts is to live life to the fullest. Eternal life, eternal hope. We have as Christians an eternal destiny tonight. It's not a fairy tale. It's the truth. We've experienced it. We think about and, and benefit from medical advancements over the last couple hundred years. I read that in 1776, the average lifespan in America was 37 by 1900, it was 46 to 48. By 1950, 65 to 71. And today, it's about 77 in the U.S. And I think about from 1950 to today, think about all of the medical advancements. And we've added maybe six years. Billions upon billions of dollars, no doubt trillions, are spent on medications potions, lotions, injections. People even take blood transfusions today from younger people to try and extend their life. 
People want to put digital implants in their brains to extend life. Science is trying to figure out a way to freeze people and bring them back one day. This is where we're at. And I believe it's scattered throughout scripture that that's where we would be at today at the time of when Christ would return. But Jesus had the answer in our text. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. And, and that is used as a signet in the medical world today. But if we could just look to Jesus, if we could look to the author and finisher of our faith, if we could look to the one that brings and provides the living waters, the prophet Zechariah spoke about living waters at the time of the millennial reign on earth. And we find in Revelation where the living waters that throws, excuse me, flows from the throne of God. He goes on to say in verse 15 that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We have the answer. We have the formula. We know the truth. We have experienced the truth. Jesus made a way 2,000 years ago, and some believe it will be exactly 2,000 years in the year 2033. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Many, many have uh, elaborated on this verse. Many commentators have written about it. I've heard some, listened to some. There was one that stood out to me, which goes something like this. For God, there's no greater being in all of the universe than God. So loved, there is no greater affection than true love. The world, there's no greater group of people than the world. That he gave, there's no greater act of love than to give. His only begotten son, there was no greater or better gift than that which he could give than, than his son. That whosoever believeth in him, there's no larger group of people than the whosoever will, should not perish, but have everlasting life. There was no greater gift possible than to give humanity everlasting life. You must be born again. You have to be saved. And, you know, that's the moment in which you begin to experience eternal life. In fact, if you, if you look at the context of the scripture and at the original, it's not talking about eternal life yet in the future, although that's scattered about God's word as well, but that we can experience it at salvation. How do we know that Christ rose from the dead? It's because he's alive in our hearts. We taste of that eternal water, so to speak. We taste of what it was for Jesus to have victory over death, hell, and the grave. We have the best of hopes. All other religions are searching and looking for a way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot get to the Father except through Jesus. He was lifted up in the wilderness. 
so that he would draw all humanity unto him. Jesus provides life. Jesus provides life now on earth as we're alive, living with him as Christians. He provides a hope. He provides a joy. He provides restoration. He provides victory. And one day we will live with him. Thanks be to God. Jesus is calling tonight. If you're listening in, you're watching, or you're here, and you don't know the Lord, he's calling after your heart, we believe. He didn't put all this together, go through all this for naught. He did it because he loves you. He loves you, and he loves me. You see, the ground at the cross, you've heard many times probably, it's level. Christ is no respecter of persons. He didn't choose certain people. It says right here in the scripture for the whosoever will. Won't you come? Won't you give your life to the Lord? Won't you ask God to forgive you? If you need to be renewed in Christ, Christ will renew you. He will reestablish you. You will taste of those living waters and you will taste of eternal life. Christ wants to do it in your heart tonight. The song is 482. Let's come out and pray.